It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Indians your first listen today and every day, free and available on all podcasting plats, no, apps and platforms. Plaps, I guess, would be the combo there. But anywhere you get podcasts, anywhere you listen, you can find Locked On Indians and all the other fantastic Locked On podcasts uh, in general. So I want to first off apologize if you're not someone who follows me on Twitter uh, about Monday. Uh, Plain and simply put, I was exhausted, fell asleep early, uh, problems with a day job, this being the evening job, uh, a child who's soon to be three months and another child who's four. Sometimes it just all piles in on you, and I, I got so tired. I just I knew I couldn't put together anything that would make logical sense. And anyone who listens knows that this borders on insensibility enough that uh, <laughs> to go a little bit further, uh, you just had the ravings of a madman. So that is why there was no Monday podcast. Again, I apologize about that. But most days I go over. It's supposed to be a twenty-eight minute podcast. Uh, I've had some forty minutes lately. So you know you're getting your content. It uh, just gets a little more spaced out. We still have some busts to talk about. We have the American League Rookie of the Year to talk about. We have, you know, not a whole lot of Indian-centric, but we should probably talk about uh, just a few interesting things around baseball in general. So let's talk about some things that have happened. One, Mike Brosey, Brosey, however you say his name, to the Brewers. Uh, now, I thought this was fascinating because he was an interesting guy, but he just could not get through on the roster for Tampa uh, probably a bigger name than he deserves to be. Uh, when you go and you look at the numbers this past year, it was not good for him at all. Uh, and then the success in 2020 and in 2019, in fairness, uh, you know, that was a combined, what, 230-odd plate appearances, maybe 240 plate appearances. It wasn't a huge sample size. Uh, a great story. Undrafted free agent from Oakland University and Rochester, Minnesota, about the fifth, sixth most famous Oakland University. Uh, you know, he he was still worth a war, one war. He can play multiple positions. For a team like the Brewers that at times, you know, went out and got Mark Matthias from the Indians to serve in a similar role, this is a slam dunk. That's a great deal for them. I don't really know. Um, I think they're getting, like, cash or a player to be named later. So that was interesting in that regard. I think it's... The Tampa has the same issue the Indians have, and you know I will be talking about the forty man from now until the end of time, or at least until it happens. You know, uh, a week. Wait, is it this Friday? It might be this Friday. Everything has to be put in place and settled. I could be wrong there. We'll double check that. 
But uh, once that is all put together, you know, the, the Rays are being aggressive. The Indians are kind of biding their time. Uh, they also, you know, they went out and traded Lewis Head from uh, the Rays, went to the Marlins for cash or player to be named later, which I believe was the same type of deal. No, they got a, a prospect. That's right. They got, uh, I want to say a pitching prospect from the Brewers. They did. They got Evan Reiford, a relief pitcher drafted in 2018. So he is Rule 5 eligible, but I think they think they can get him to uh, pass through uh, with the Rangers, which is interesting. Drafted by the Rangers. Never actually played for the Rangers. That's weird. Uh, that was back in 2018. And then he went to college. So, yeah, he's another guy who was an undrafted player is the way it looks of it with Evan Reiford. So he is not draft eligible. Uh, he was pitching for Central Missouri in 2020. So he was a, began his career in 2021. Uh, he was must have been one of the okay, so that's why it's weird. He's one of the many guys who got hosed when there was a sixth round draft in 2020. He must have been one of those undrafted free agents that occur. So yeah, he is pretty far away from being Rule Five eligible. In, in arm, they can stash a guy who got up to High A this year, and in High A, uh, I mean, he missed a lot of bats, 15.4 strikeouts per nine. The the Rays do a great job with pitchers, but they're the opposite of the Indians. They take these big arms. Shane McClanahan was a guy who could have been a top 10 pick, but the control issues never seemed to get together. He could never really be more. He's more of a thrower. Rays do great with that type. You know, Shane Baz had his issues. Glass now. A lot of guys, they're good at harnessing stuff. The Indians are good at refining stuff and adding more. I, I should change it. That is completely wrong. <laughs> the Rays are good at refining. The Indians are at at we're better at adding. So they, they're not as good at refining when somebody has big stuff. They're good at adding more to it. They have very different things they excel at, but it's, it's a nice get. It's a solid addition for a guy that they needed to get some roster in Lewis head. They just got uh, money, I believe, or a prospect to name later. And I'm just happy for Lewis head, former Indians draft pick, 18th round pick out of Texas state, uh, bounced around. There were times I thought he'd get to the big leagues in this past year. I mean, he was great. A 172 ERA plus, 8.2 strikeouts per nine, 2.3 walk per nine, 8.57 whip, a 311 FIP, uh, you know, 231 ERA. He was great. 31 years of age. You have him through 2027 if you're the Marlins and he continues to perform well. I understand why the Brewers are moving on. I understand why the Marlins jumped. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, sadly, I did not get the Mets job. They're going to Billy Epler, who did not do a good job in his role with Anaheim. Uh, this seems 100% a, about David Stern's expiring contract. He is a good friend of David Stern's, speaking of the Brewers, from earlier in the show. But him and him and Stern's are tight. So if Stern's, who grew up a Mets fan, decided at the end of the year to leave the Brewers, uh, he could then go to the Mets and reunite with his buddy who could stay in kind of a lesser role. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case or not i don't know how this is going to go but it is interesting because it did not go well for him with anaheim like the you know a lot of things did not pan out a lot of the big maneuvers and additions um you know you could point out the good and the bad and, and i mean they did get otani under him but uh i mean he also gave that upton contract and he never was able to get a team on the field that was competitive in his time there. And the draft, the first rounders hit, but not much after that to show for it. So weird signing. Sadly, no, I do not get to be the Mets GM. We all we all lose. And then the last bit, well, two. One, the Cubs added a pitching coach in Daniel 
uh, Moskis, who is interesting because he's one of those guys who back in the day was a massive reach, fourth overall pick as a reliever out of Clemson by the Pirates in 2007. And I believe like he's a, a driveline guy. Um, can't remember where he was pitching last year as a uh, or a pitching coach, but he was also spent a significant amount of time. I thought there was a oh, maybe it wasn't him. I thought he had spent some time in the Indian system at one point in time, but uh, maybe there was a different. No, that was um, the San Diego reliever that was drafted incredibly high. Was it Muskis? It might have been actually that same draft class. It was the other um, Weathers. No. Uh, yeah, Casey Weathers <laughs> was the, the other reliever, Casey Weathers out of Vandy, who spent time in the Indian system, was a big driveline guy. He was there in 2015 and 2016. Wrong overdrafted reliever uh, in my mind. So that that's there. That's, that's the things that live in there. And then we should probably comment on um, Eduardo Rodriguez signs with the Tigers. So originally, back in the day, you could... If you signed a, um, a free agent and you lost a pick, you could it you could be your competitive balance pick. The Indians lost one of those picks when they signed Michael Bourne after they had already given up a pick for signing Swisher. Uh, so, but apparently, I was corrected by James Fox, who we've had on this podcast last year from uh, you know Chicago White Sox writer that you can't lose those picks anymore. So the Tigers will lose their third round pick for signing Eduardo Rodriguez. The Boston Red Sox will get a pick after comp round B. So you're looking at you know, uh, basically, if you're picking in the top 10 picks, you're getting minorly hosed. Um, that's how this shifts. Everyone else, it doesn't really have an effect. Like This has no effect on the Indians. It doesn't. Uh, so it doesn't have a huge draft effect. It will affect you know money for those two teams. Uh, but the Tigers get a pitcher, and they get an underrated pitcher who has really good peripherals, who, again, you know, in 2020 got COVID and got the myocardio uh, issue, is not fully healthy. Uh, the heart issue is always going to scare off some teams, but he's a lefty with some really nice peripherals. I think it's a fantastic signing at like $14 million a year, $16 million a year, I think, essentially. And yeah, it's a two-year opt-out. He could only be there for two years if he pitches really well. Still, I think it's a, a nice addition for that team. Uh, the Tigers just got better. We're going to take a quick commercial break here. We'll come back and talk about the Rookie of the Year voting, talk about how it shook out and my overall thoughts on it. And that first sponsor are our great friends over at betonline.ag. You should know them by now. They've been our sponsor since January. It's almost a full year of them supporting this podcast. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games and poker, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. And remember to use that promo code Locked On to get your 50% bonus today. New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying around can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. In sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Did I mention there are no fees, period? This one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. 
So before we get in the Rookie of the Year, I forgot to mention in segment one, thank you. Big thank you in the middle of the show. Uh, all of you listeners, you know this has been a big point and a big push for me to crack the Top 100 Baseball Podcast on iTunes to get back up there. We've had points where we've hit it and we've slid and we've had points. And I know it's not going to help that the minute we break through is the day I take a Monday off. Uh, but keep doing what you're doing, downloading daily, listening, making it your first listen, all of those fantastic things. We broke the top 100. We are 98th this week. It is a, we can keep moving. We can keep growing. We can keep pushing, but it's thanks to the listeners and thanks to the you know team locked on Indian slash guardians. Uh, when you can buy Guardians gear is when I'm going to officially switch this over. You know, that's its whole other story that supposedly today you were supposed to be able to buy Guardians gear. Uh, this is being so badly handled. And again, I can't believe a like semi-pro roller hockey team is really holding things up. A really der- roller derby team uh, can hold up a, you know, a billion dollar organization. Uh, I still think, honestly, that uh, negotiations were happening and the roller derby team leaked the info trying to put the uh, the the Cleveland baseball team between a rock and a hard place. And it just turned ugly. Uh, so we don't can't buy gear yet. When you can buy gear, I'm going to officially switch things over. Uh, but again, thank you. Cause it, it's, it's, you know, team locked on Indians team locked on guardians here. Uh, we cracked the top 100 and we can keep doing that. We can keep pushing forward. Let's, let's see how I, we can go download daily. Remember my trick. I don't like to listen to myself, so I never listen, but I download every day, hit it on play, put it at the corner of my desk, do the work I need to get done. Uh, I mean, I would prefer if you listen, don't get me wrong, but if it's a day where you know you're not going to get to it and you're not someone who's going to catch up with the backlog, that's just a simple thing you can do to help. But thank you all. Again, big thank you. We cracked the top 100. That is awesome. It is totally a team effort, and I want to thank all the listeners right here, right now for that. So the rookie of the year dropped. I first want to say, like, Jonathan uh, India, what a great story. I was super high on him in his draft year. I thought the Reds made a heck of a selection. He was a guy who was kind of forgotten over his first few years at Florida. And then, uh, I mean, he just was, came on gangbusters. Kind of a Benintendi-ish type of year in the SEC for him. And then he struggled. I mean, there's no other way around it. Like, he was kind of a forgotten prospect. And, I mean, he wasn't forgotten if you're a Reds fan. But to most other fan bases, it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's a bust. But... Uh, it's come together for him, and he dominated the NL Rookie of the Year. Obviously, we're not going to go too deep into that. But the American League Rookie of the Year, Randy Arezarino should have won it. Uh, Luis Garcia, third, that's fine. Or second, Wander... You see, that's showing where I think he should have been. Wander Franco, second... Or... Okay, so you can tell, I think, Randy Arezarino, Wander Franco, and Luis Garcia should have been your top three. Uh, flip those two. Adolces Garcia, I got issues with that, him there, because it's... It's the rookie of the year. Uh, Garcia's just not... Uh, he wasn't good for most of the year. He's a fine defender, uh, but he came down to earth hard. Uh, it was essentially, you split that up, it's very easy to see that he just wasn't good. I mean, he was borderline unplayable in the second half, and uh, he got, you know, m- almost twice as many points as Emmanuel Classe who came in fifth. I was kind of surprised. I didn't think he would get fifth. Sixth, Ryan Montcastle. Seven, Shane McClanahan, who we talked about earlier on the show. Eighth, Alec Manea, who got two votes. Uh, McClanahan only got one vote. He got one second-place vote. Uh, two votes to Alec Manea. I saw someone complaining about Garrett Whitley not getting any votes uh, for the Red Sox, and I was like, that's fine, but like, Class A was better. You really, Unless you're going to... like, who, who are you leaving off for Garrett Whitley? Like, I, He doesn't... I just saw that and I was like rolling my eyes. I'm like, it's a very typical Boston take. It's like, 
Rosarina is clearly the top guy. If you're going to vote for a reliever, you vote Class A. You're not. You're telling me you'd vote for him then over Franco or Garcia, uh, Lu, uh, Lewis, not Adolsis. I'd be fine if you vote for him over Adolsis. Montcastle. I mean, I would vote for any of these guys. It was just kind of funny to me. Uh, subtweeting through here, uh, who that could be. Uh, it was just. It was a silly take. That's why I'm exposing it a bit. But uh, Class A only got three votes. He did get one first base vote. I guarantee you that was someone in Cleveland. His two second base votes. I guarantee you were also decent chance those were ohio people voting for him i was kind of surprised no third place votes i would have thought he would have had more the other thing i I said as i tweeted out there earlier in the day is what's interesting to me is again adolsis garcia got third he wouldn't be traded straight up for any other player on this list like if if they called the rays they wouldn't obviously wouldn't trade franco wander franco for him they wouldn't trade azarino uh, Luis Garcia for Adolfo's Garcia, the Astros hang up. Class A for Garcia, the Indians hang up. Mountcastle for Garcia. I mean, it's not even a discussion. It's a hang up on every single one. Even like Alec Manea and Jade McClanahan, those are all hang ups. Like he's, again, you're rewarding a guy for three months, essentially. Uh, that That's my big, you know, axe to grind. Uh, how about the Rays, though? Fourth Ray to win the rookie of the year and three Rays listed. Uh, and they just got more coming. You know, Vidal Brujan didn't really get much of a chance. Uh, Brendan McKay was hurt. They they got so much. Shane Baz will still qualify next year. The waves of talent the Rays have are kind of mind-boggling when you sit down and think about it. Uh, it's it's interesting. I'll be curious to see where it goes from here. But yeah, no, I could not help uh, but look at some of the hot takes and roll my eyes a bit. And then also... Um, just looking at the overall voting and just kind of get annoyed with uh, how that is, how it played out. Because again, I know someone just sitting there looking at war possibly because it's an easy stat to look at. We're looking at like most home runs or most RBIs. And it's like, it's not telling a full story. And that's the problem with any stat. You know, it, it's partial stories. It's looking at something where it's, again, what's more important that someone had a hot month or that someone was good like, Class A was good the whole year. It was limited opportunities because he was a reliever, but he was consistently amazing. Consistently month-to-month amazing. Adolfo Garcia was scorching on fire uh, and then, you know, ice, ice cold. So that's, you know, that's my take on the Rookie of the Year voting. Uh, you know, Rangers fans, I swear I don't have it out to get you. I know uh, sometimes it might feel like that between the, the jokes about what Class A has done. Uh, the ripping on Adolfo Garcia and how I like to uh, tease Bryce, who's a great guy over at Locked On Rangers. If you want some Rangers takes, Bryce is definitely your guy. Great dude in general. But uh, yeah, that's that's that point. We're going to take another commercial break here. We're going to come back and look at those busts, continuing our series of why highly rated prospects don't work out. Get your TV together, people. What's wrong with you? Why is your TV not together yet? Get it together with Direct TV. What can you use at DirecTV? Are you not watching television? Do you not know about DirecTV Stream yet? Does this sound familiar? You got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite show. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. You got your neighbor's best friend log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream and it brings your live TV and on demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes. No need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. 
So get rid of the clutter and confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device is required. Content varies by package. So if you've missed this series, uh, I talk about prospects who were rated in the top 100 prospects of all of baseball by Baseball America. And we look at kind of the story and how they busted and, you know, what went wrong. How could somebody so highly thought of not work out? So one of the guys I've been leaving on the back burner is Brad Snyder. Brad Snyder is an Ohio kid from Bellevue, Ohio, went to Ball State, was a first round pick uh, by the Indians. I think he was a comp pick, actually. No, he was 18th overall. That still might have been a comp pick back in that draft class. Uh, his final year at Ball State, all he did was hit 405 with 14 homers, 25 doubles for 570 or 522 slugging or 522 on base, 770 slugging. Uh, he never had his worst OPS was a freshman when he had a 1.013, and that was also the year he hit 329. That was his worst average. Now this is also the time of the extremely loaded bats. I mean, this is the time where everyone. I mean, lots of players were hitting over 400. Uh, there were some rather prestige, prodigious numbers in the early 2000s before they kind of started to get things a little bit together. That being said, I mean, he put on a show. He walked 19% uh, on top of the 405 average. I mean, he was, I would have loved this draft pick at the time. I mean, to this day, if they drafted someone like this, I'd be very excited. Now, I don't know, like 2003, I mean, this this guy and I are roughly the same age, Um you know, same same high school class, things like that. I mean, I was always the old kid in my class. Uh, let's see, he won't turn. He won't turn uh, eighty. He was born in eighty-two. He won't turn forty until May. So he was also like young for his class. He was drafted as a junior. I, man, he was perfect. <laughs> he was. Uh, nowadays, I'd, I'd view him as ideal. Cold weather, good athlete, can play multiple spots. Walks a lot, hits for power, high contact, good bat pip. I mean, amazing bat pips. Uh, young for his class. He, I mean, he hits every single indicator that I have. There is not an indicator I have that would not love Brad Schneider. And this is a guy who played right field, center field, left field, and even some first base in the minors. 6'3", 210, solidly built. So what goes wrong? He comes into the Indian system, goes to Mahoning Valley, and... For him, it's rather pedestrian numbers. They're they're fine. But his strikeout rate, which over college had gotten down to like 17%, kind of balloons up that year, goes and splits the next season between high and low A, and he's solid performance. I don't think there's really anything to complain about, especially what he does in high A in 2004 is interesting. Goes up to double A in 2005. He's This is back in the Indians. Have players move very slowly through the system. Good year in double A. Uh, nothing spectacular, but he's solidly progressing. And for whatever reason, that's, and it's 75 games. He has a good season over 75 games. They have him repeat the level, and he has kind of an average season. Not, you know, nothing, one could argue he's better in 75 than he was in 135. He's age 24, and it is, I look at that, and I'm like, uh, why? Like, <laughs> the 2005, I mean, he should have, except repeating Akron in 2006, he should have maybe seen some major league time. Uh, 2007, he is up in AAA. I think it's in 2000 or 2000, 2007 or 2008 that he gets taken. I think it's after the 2007 season. He gets taken in the Rule 5 draft. Um, you know, it, 2007, he has a mediocre season in AAA, and he's pressing. I mean, he is clearly pressing. He's still got great bat pips, things like that, but his strikeout rate goes over 30% for the first time since Mahone, his Mahoning Valley season. 
And, you know, the power wasn't huge, but the power was never huge. Like, he was more of a doubles guy. He could do a lot of little things. The batting average is dropping. The on-base percentages are dropping. He's not walking hardly at all. Well, 2007 is still a good walk rate. 2008 is when it craters. Uh, some limited games, some health issues, but, you know, again, the Indians were really good in 2007. He's kind of stuck in a no-man's land. Now, as I recall, he gets taken in the Rule 5 and asks to not be accepted back. Gets accepted back, uh, has a really rough 2008, does not want to be there, does not want to be in any part of Cleveland, leaves the minute he can. But I can't blame him. He was an 18th overall draft selection, and they were just jerking this guy around. Like, he never... He should have had opportunities. He should have moved through the majors quicker than he did. And I understand he did get some cups of coffee, and they were not particularly great. But you can't judge a guy on 66 plate appearances. He never really got the opportunities he should have. He progressed solidly through the minors. Um, I guess the big knock here is, like, A, opportunity, and B, um, the Indians. Like, why did he fail as a baseball player, why is he like a failed prospect? The Indians, for whatever reason, just did not uh, did not have faith in him. For as high of a draft pick as he was, he was not given opportunities. He was very slowly moved through the system. He was uh, never called up to the big leagues, even for a team that consistently had outfield issues. Again, he was not spe- he didn't kick the door open, but he was doing enough to get an opportunity. So I I don't quite get what happened there i might have to do digging beyond that but he is a rare situation where i don't see a reason out there why he failed i don't see a reason why he's successful outside of when he got cups of coffee he wasn't successful and uh you know he wasn't a sublime athlete so as he aged it got harder and harder for him to break in but there was enough he should have had an opportunity this is one where i just put on that shapiro era of indians where they were way too deliberate with their development, and it wasn't successful. Like, in general, that is almost every player on those good Indians teams, both Shapiro, were through trades. Those were not guys they developed. They had the slowest developmental system. They had guys spend forever in the minors. And for some players, that just did not seem to work. So I'm, I'm putting his failure more on the Indians than on him. Okay, next up is Andy Marte. This is a hard one just because, I mean, he's, he's passed. Like, I mean tragically died in 2017 at the age of 33 uh, very young player kind of an infamous situation I mean, he was a highly highly valued prospect gets traded to the red sox never does anything in their system i mean literally doesn't get that opportunity he gets rerouted to the indians he was a big time prospect like casey blake had been with the indians for a few years had been really productive uh, he gets moved to right field that year because they added uh Andy Marte. Marte was a big deal. He was a guy who was a top 25 overall prospect. The year before that in AAA, he hit 275 with a 372 on base and a 506 slugging, walked 14% of the time to an 18% strikeout, 20 home runs, 26 doubles. Year before that, you know, he had had over he had hit for over 20 double, over 20 home runs multiple times, which is a big amount in the minors. He always had good walk rates. He didn't strike out a ton. Now, he never had huge or great contact numbers. There was always some question with that hit tool. You could just see uh, sometimes it was not always there. And when he got to the big leagues with Atlanta, it was a very small sample. It wasn't great. And then with Cleveland, you know, it, and I guess that's the other thing. It's like you look at his numbers, they were steadily good. He was kind of like, now this is where it's kind of interesting when you look at Brad Snyder versus him. Like his numbers are not dissimilar in the minors to Brad Snyder's who we just talked about. 
uh, in a lot of ways. Now, Snyder struck out a little bit more, but they had some similar stuff, but Marte just kept getting the opportunities because of, I mean, he was the centerpiece in that Coco Crisp trade when Coco Crisp had high value, uh, and he was a big prospect to get back. In that first year, 708 OPS, like we look back, we go, hey, that's not terrible. Uh, then you, you look at the next few years where he only had 57 games in 2007 in the bigs. 2008, he gets uh, 80 games. He gets 47 in 2009. Like He kept getting opportunities. But when he got to the big leagues, I mean, it just kept getting worse and worse. And even when he was down in AAA, he just seemed to scuttle a bit. Now, he was awesome in 2009 in AAA. He gets the opportunity to come to the big leagues, and he's still not great. He even gets 80 games in 2010 with the Indians. So he gets four straight years where he gets opportunities. Can't cash, cash in, can't cash in on any of them. And five years, gets 781 at-bats with the Indians. Again, it's kind of interesting to look at Brad Snyder versus him and see just how much hype can go into some of these players. So what went wrong with Marte? Well, he was more hype than he was performance. Uh, you know, I remember reading, being a big Keith Law fan, I mean, I still talk about it. I still read Keith. I don't want to make it seem like I'm digging the guy there. But, like, reading about Keith specifically, like, this is the era where Keith started to move in and Callis was still a little bit um, at ESPN, but they were kind of switching a bit. Because when I was in college, it was um, John Sickles at ESPN. Then Callis came in uh, through about 2007. No, this might have been more Callis than Law, actually, now I think about it. But they were very high. You know, I was reading people, and everyone was very high on Marte, and I was very excited for his ceiling and his upside, and he was going to be, you know, plus bat, plus that. He just he didn't have any of it. He is the classic, very hyped prep player, or prep player, uh, international player, one of those guys who was a big bonus guy, moved quickly through the minors. And because he moved quickly through the minors, the numbers were good but never exceptional, but we were willing to look past I know you're out there going, hey, an 878 OPS, 889 OPS, they're good. They're very good. They're strong, but they're not, again, like, I mean, Brad Snyder was putting up similar things. We just talked about this, and he never got an opportunity. Uh, Marte did a lot. He was a quad A talent who had that hype that he kept getting opportunities because, you know, he had the sweet swing and kind of more of the old school scouting. So why did Marte not work out? He just wasn't good enough. Like that's the bottom line here. He was very hyped. He was a big name guy, and he kept getting free. Uh, he kept getting opportunities because of that. He ended up playing for five, you know, or I'm sorry, yeah, five organizations. Only got three years of service time. When you're, you have that hype, you keep getting opportunities. You keep getting chances. It just wasn't there. He was not good enough. He was a quad A player. That's that's just the bottom line of it all. He was a quad A player who could, you know, we'll eventually talk about Matt Laporta. Marte and Laporta are like brothers from different mothers. These are guys who could crush in AAA. But when they got to the majors, they were just exposed. They weren't good enough to make that leap. And there's no shame in that. There's a lot of players who that is the story for. That is a common refrain with a lot of top prospects. It's a huge separator. And when you don't have a standout tool and you have kind of a mediocre to poor hit tool, this is why the Indians are so focused on hit tool. I know I sometimes like am not as big on the contact-oriented guys the Indians go for, but much like uh, you know having no control is the number one reason that uh, pitchers fail, the inability to make consistent contact and put the ball in play with positive results, 
which again, no brainer, but that's often why hitters fail is that it's making that final step. If Marte could have been a consistent 260 hitter, he probably plays in the big leagues for 10 years. He was instead a 218 hitter. I'm not even saying he needed to, you know, be a 300 hitter, but if he could get up to like 270, you add that 52 points in and all of a sudden his career OPS sneaks up closer to like 700. It's still not ideal, but he maybe gets an opportunity. I know maybe you want to hear some great other reason why uh, somebody like Andy Marte with all of his hype fails, but it's not anything else than he just wasn't good enough. End of the day, he was not good enough. He was a quad A guy who could not make that leap. And like I said, we'll talk about Laporta soon. It's it's similar refrain. It is a similar refrain for a lot of players. Uh, it's just some guys can't do it. And there are other guys we'll talk about who couldn't even be quad A. They were double A players and couldn't uh, progress beyond that. And again, it's no shame. They'll come much farther than you and I. Uh, but uh, we're looking at what happened, and that's the shortcomings. A uh, guy who didn't have a carrying tool, and when he got to the big leagues, was exposed. I want to thank you all again for making Lockdown Indians your first listen today and every day. Uh, I mentioned Bryce. Go check out Lockdown Rangers if you want some hot takes on the Rookie of the Year race. I'm sure Bryce will have them. Uh, I also want to make Another big deal about the fact, thank you, thank you, thank you for all you are doing, fellow, uh, well, you're part of the Locked On Indian slash Guardian team, if you are listening, breaking the top 100. That has been a goal. Let's keep it going. Let's stay in the top 100 uh, from this point forward. And as we say now, go, go, Guardians, go. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.